this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint in these weeks before Easter. With me today, Obadiah Smith. Obadiah, glad to be here, Jim. So glad to see you. Yes. And uh, I don't know about you, Obadiah, but Easter is always one of just the best times of the year in my calendar. Oh, it is. Yeah, it is, because I like the spring and where we yes. live in the Northern Hemisphere, it's springtime. Yes. And, uh, oh, there's also that whole chocolate gig that comes with oh, Easter. Oh, Jim, not the chocolate. I'm about that. Okay, I'm about that. <laughs> okay. But I'm not just chocolate. Let me just say, I've expanded my horizons. I'm about marshmallow peeps, too. All right, okay. now I can agree with you, the <laughs> I mean, marshmallows. So, I mean, I, it's all the whole package is working for me, but <laughs> Easter is fundamentally, of course, not just a time to treat ourselves and yes. to buy some tulips. It is a time to think and to remember what is the hinge of history, and that is the resurrection of Christ. Obadiah, as you think about your Easter memories, you think about what you've done on Easter in years yes. gone by, yes. what stands out? Give me an Easter memory. Um, Having a brand new haircut that week and wearing that suit with that skinny tie. Because <laughs> <laughs> you are always Mr. Fashion Flight. Yes. And uh, yeah, there's something about dressing up for Easter yes. Sunday that's a part of our culture, culture and history. Yes. And, and, you know, I've had a few new Easter duds that I was pretty excited to wear at time. And then I've been through some phases where I refused okay. to wear them. But all that to say, that's an important memory. And I'm going to guess you were dressing up to go to a church meeting. Yes, it was church, all about church on Easter. It was all about a church. A special occasion. Music and yes. preaching and fellowship and women in big hats. Yes, I mean, it's, yes. It's all there. And that just bears witness to the reality that Easter is a high point in the year for Christians because it celebrates the resurrection. But we need to remember that Easter is kind of a movable feast, as the old timers would say. The date of Easter is fixed by the movement of planets and so on, so it moves around within March and April. This year falls on April 5th in the Gregorian calendar. And as we celebrate it, we need to remember that every Sunday is really an Easter Sunday. And the reason that believers gather together on Sunday is because it was on the first day of the week, on Sunday, that Jesus rose from the dead. Yes. Today, Obadiah, even though we're a few weeks out from the actual Easter Sunday itself, let's dive in to the Easter story. And one part of it, and that is the power and the reality of a resurrected Jesus that's not a ghost, not a phantom, not some kind of spiritual phenomenon, but something that is tactile, touchable material. Jesus came back from the grave yes. and actually became again the Word in the flesh. Real. Part of the power of Easter, of course, is the reality that it is a story of triumph over the grave. And for all the challenges that humankind has faced, for all the diseases that we have tried to tackle and some have conquered, for the way in which we've learned how to regulate our environments, we've got heating and cooling in advanced uh, societies these days, technologically advanced anyway, and we have all kinds of ways we've conquered time and space in the sense that, boy, you can get on a plane and fly across continents in ways that people in the ancient world could never have imagined. Right. There's still a boogeyman. <laughs> and yes. that's the grave. Yes, absolutely. For correct. all of our knowledge, for all yes. of our magical wonder of science and technology and human wisdom expanding at lightning speed, we still are stumped by death. There is a moment when every one of us is going to die. It's an idea that we all understand, but we try to avoid. It doesn't come up close and personal except every now and then. 
Have you ever lost anyone close to you, Obadiah? Yes, several years ago, I believe my world just stood silent with the death of my mother, Jim. You loved your mom. Oh, loved her tremendously. And she loved you. Yes. And when you faced the reality that she was gone, I mean, she was not going to be calling you on the phone again, and you would not be able to run to see her and give her a hug. She just was going to be absent from your life. Yes. I mean, I have to believe that you probably started to wrestle with death differently. I did, because it became personal. And it's real. Yes. And, and it's, it's like irrevocable. It's not like, well, it's just a mistake or, you know, that'll change tomorrow. You know, there's something about death that reminds us about these kind of fixed anchors of life. And it's one of those. It, when death comes, they don't come back. That's our experience. The prospect of losing someone you love and finding them alive again. I mean, is there a price you wouldn't pay if you believe that your mother was going to walk in and join you for church on Easter Sunday this year. Yes, I would give a million dollars, Jim, I mean, to relive the, it. There's yes. anything you would do. Yes. I mean, the idea that somehow the grave could be overcome and that you would have the chance to once more not just think about your mom or remember your mom, but be in her actual physical company. I mean, could anything else trump that in life? No. And for anyone listening to us today who has lost someone that you love, that is exactly the promise of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not here to tell you that the promise of the gospel of Jesus and of the Easter narrative is that your spirit somehow will be reunited or that somehow you will yourself find yourself in some great spiritual karma, a force-like consciousness that is in a Star Wars film. We're here to tell you that the predicate of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the resurrection, and that in time, in God's time, there will be a physical resurrection where you once again can be in the company of those you have loved and of Jesus himself in a touchable, tangible, material way. Whoa. No wonder the first century church exploded. Yes, it did. Because they were eyewitnesses to the first resurrection. When we come back, we're going to tackle one of those stories precisely. John chapter 20, Mary Magdalene, she was the first one to see.
As you're listening to Viewpoint today, you may have a question or a thought to share, and we want you to know we're always glad to hear from you. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day and seven days a week. A live member of our Viewpoint ministry team will be on the phone and so glad to hear from you, to pray with you, to hear your question, to hear your thoughts. Please give us a call. Now, we'll give you that number at the end of the broadcast today, too, but we wanted to give you a heads up. We're always glad to hear from you. Obadiah Smith and I are talking about the power and the wonder of the resurrected Christ. And as Easter's approaching, don't forget this. The story of Easter is not some mythology, and it's not just a pretty picture. It's not just a watercolor or a Renaissance painting. It is a real history of someone who was dead and came back to life with a real body, not just a spirit, but a body. And in John chapter 20, we have John's record of that first Easter Sunday when people who had known Jesus before he died began to experience and see him again after he was resurrected from the grave. This is John chapter 20. This is the Bible. We're going to begin reading in verse number 11. Obadiah, help us see what happened there. Sure, Jim. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was a gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. This Mary about whom you're reading, Obadiah, is Mary Magdalene, a woman who is not related by blood to Jesus, but out of whom he cast some evil spirits and whose life was totally transformed by her intersection with Jesus. She was someone who owed a great deal to him and who loved him. And as I pick up the narrative in verse 16 of John chapter 20, notice this. She, as you read, didn't know who he was, and suddenly he calls her by name. This is John 20, verse 16. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Do not cling to me, Jesus said, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them. I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. This is perhaps one of the most important pieces of literature ever recorded. On all of the printed pages of all of the books ever known, this story, this text, holds the keys to all life and future. And there are some important lessons here that are disclosed to us about the resurrection of Jesus and about the power of the material Jesus, not just the spirit of Jesus, which we believe is real and powerful and interactive with us today, but the reality of a physical Jesus that for 40 days after his resurrection walked in this world, interacted with his followers and his friends, his family, 
and then ascended to the Father, but with the promise of coming back so that we would see him, not just spiritually, not just intellectually, but that we would actually see him physically because he's coming back physically. And in that frame, what can we learn from this particular passage about this power of a resurrected Jesus in human form? Well, the first thing I think that strikes me, Obadiah, is this is about a Jesus who is absolutely in the flesh. Yes, it is. Yeah. And it's easy for us to kind of think, well, Jesus is a wonderful story or a wonderful persona or maybe even a spiritual being, but this whole idea of being able to touch Jesus or to, to shake his hand, to be embraced by him, to sit next to him at the dining table and enjoy a meal, all of that is, is old news and will never be experienced again. No, I think that's going to happen again. And what these people experienced and the reason they risked their lives in the face of a whole world that said they were out of their minds is because they actually saw Jesus in the flesh. So let's get this clear. The Easter story is about Jesus dead, murdered on a cross, buried in a grave, and three days later coming out of the grave, not as a spirit, not as a ghost, but as flesh and blood. That's right here in the story. Yes, it is, yeah. And, and meeting them where they are. Absolutely. Mary Magdalene is grieving. She's not looking for him. She's not expecting to see him, and he shows up. And she sees him in a physical way. She sees him with her physical eyes. But she didn't recognize him. Have you ever noticed that? Why didn't she recognize him? What do you think? Jim, I I really don't know. I mean, I can give an excuse that maybe it could have been the tears, or maybe she was looking at the grave. But you know what? It may be because even in Christ in the bodily form, He was in the spiritual form, too. And maybe she couldn't have recognized him by that. I think the resurrected body, which is real and tangible, still has some mystery for us. Yes. And this is not the only post-resurrection appearance of Jesus where he's not recognized. And yes, in this narrative, we often think, well, she was crying and couldn't see. But I I promise you, Obadiah, if your mother got up out of a grave... I'll know it. (laughs) You could be crying, but you're going to know that's her because you just just feel it. You know it. I think it's interesting that she recognizes him when he speaks. And that suggests to me that the resurrected body, as real and tangible as it is, may be in a superior form to any body that we now know. In other words, it's Jesus, Yes. but that resurrected body is now immune to all of the decay and the aging process that we know in our broken physical world today, corrupted by sin. So if Jesus was 33 years old when he died... His body was already past its prime and was aging. But in his resurrected body, there's no aging. It's outside of time. It's perfect. And what that says to me, because the promise is, he is the first fruits. His resurrection is a pattern for what I can also know. So that what happened to him will happen to me. He'll always be Lord. I will not be. But I will have a resurrected body like he does. And that means that when I get resurrected, Obadiah, you may not recognize me at first. Why? Because I'm going to be so much more fabulous than I am now. Amen. And... Honestly, that's good news for me because I'm not sure I want to live in this body forever. (laughs) I think some improvements could be in the making. But there's something mysterious about the resurrected body. It's real, it's tangible, but it may not appear or present itself exactly the way our present bodies do. We also can see in this that Jesus is interactive. He has come back in the flesh and he is communicating And he called her by name. He did. It's personal. He's not just making pronouncements. He's not on a pedestal, not just hanging up in the clouds. He is down on the ground where she is saying, Mary, 
and she calls him by a, a title, an affectionate title. It's a title of respect, but it's also the way which she would have addressed him before he was killed. And, and there's a kind of personal touch here that tells me that I don't have to be afraid of or feel like I'm going to be distanced from the Jesus who is resurrected and that he is still very personal, still very much connected to us. He's also in command, isn't he? Yes. He gives her instruction, and he tells her what she needs to do. Exactly. And as he gives instructions, I think he's establishing two things. I'm still Lord. Don't forget that. I know that you think it's cool that I'm back from the grave, but I came back from the grave, and I'm still the Lord. I am King of kings and Lord of lords. And so he's still in command, and he also is communicating, I have a plan, because his instructions have to do with the moment. Don't hang on to me because I've got things to do and places to go, and I want to meet up with my disciples also, my brothers, as he describes them. I want you to tell them to meet up with me. He's giving her instructions because he has a plan. He knows where he's going, what he's going to do, and so on and so forth. And our resurrected Jesus, I think for all of eternity, is going to be able to give us cues about what to do next. And uh, life in eternity, I don't think it's just going to be some kind of stop it's going to be going forward and experiencing and, and, and more and more and more beyond our comprehension. But he's always going to be two steps ahead. He's always going to have a plan. He's always going to be giving us the instructions about how to experience life to its fullest. And, you know, that plan, Obadiah, what is the plan about? He wants to get together. Community. It's about community. Yes. You tell my brothers to meet up with me. Let's come together. <laughs> my plan is not to abandon you or leave yes. you behind or just kind of go off on my own trip and just want to give you a heads up. I'm okay. Forget about it now. No, I want you to know I want to be with you. Yes, Jim. This is the gospel. I want to be with you. God is represented in Jesus. He is the exact representation of God in human form. In his resurrected body, the same. And his ambition is to be with us. But it's on his terms, in his time, the way he wants. But he wants to meet up with us. And that's the message to Mary. Tell my brothers to meet me over here because I'm going to see them. You know, all of this tells me that the resurrected Jesus wants to be seen. He wants to be experienced. He wants to be known. It is, as you said, Obadiah, about community. And as you're getting ready for Easter this year, as you see it coming up on the calendar in April, think about this. The promise of Easter is about a physical meeting with Jesus someday, but on his terms. And his terms today are, you have to surrender your life into his care. You have to seek the covering of his blood, his redemptive death on the cross to pay the price for your sin and wrongdoing. And mine too. I'm not going to see him unless I surrender into that also. But to admit that I need forgiveness, to admit that I can't earn it, and that Jesus has paid the price for me, and now I want to humble myself before him and follow him and the leading of his spirit until I get to that day when I, like Mary Magdalene, will be able to see Jesus in the flesh. Whoa. I don't know about you, Obadiah, but that makes Easter worth celebrating for me. Yes, it does, Jim. And it's not just about seeing Jesus. Your mother loved the Lord. Yes. And she's going to have that meet up too. Yes. And one day I'm going to be with the Father too. That's right. And I'm going to see my grandma. Yes. And I'm going to see others who are very precious to me who've gone on before. And folks, that's the promise to you too. If you will surrender into the love of God, into the forgiveness of God today, take a step that way with us and pray. Our Father, we're so thankful today 
for the wonder, the mystery, and the reality of the resurrected Christ. May we never forget the power of that resurrection. May we never forget the promise of being transformed ourselves beyond the grave into not just a spiritual being, but into a spiritual being that has a mysteriously marvelous resurrection body, just as Jesus. We pray, Lord, that we'll be able to be holy and pure, not by our work, but by your grace as we prepare for that day. And Lord, forgive us of our sin. Make us new. Breathe new life into us and cause us to be reborn by the Spirit so we'll be fit to occupy that resurrection body you have promised to us too. This Easter, may we be empowered and encouraged and propelled by the knowledge of the resurrected Christ. We ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see t'was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed my chains are
the earth shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine, but God, who called me here below, will be forever mine. Will be forever. If you'd like to know more about this Jesus who changes lives, changes the world, and gives the promise of new life, give us a call. Again, our number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day and seven days a week. Obadiah, if someone doesn't want to pick up the phone, they'd rather send us an email. What's our web address? cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can actually hear programs in our archived bank. You can also send us an email, and we will reply. Or just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us, go online, or send us a note by post, let us hear from you. All right, Obadiah. A few more weeks till Easter, time to party. Yes, it is, Jim. I'm looking forward to it. And we thank you for tuning in this week to be with us on Viewpoint. We hope you'll be back with us again next week as we continue our journey in exploring and diving into the resurrection appearances of Jesus. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.